Well, great God, corporately right now, we just give You praise and honour and thanks, Father, for who You are, the goodness of You, the greatness of You, great God. Um, we, we pray, Father, that tonight You'd speak to our hearts. And, and uh, as I often pray, God, we want this to be more than information, but just Holy Spirit, speak to us, move. Uh, a demonstration of Your Spirit's power, we, we pray, great God. And so bless tonight abundantly. There's people here You want to speak to. I pray for all of us You want to speak to us, great God. There may be some that here even want to know You in a deeper, intimate way, Father. And we just pray that You would make a way so that we would have the courage to respond to You tonight, great God. We pray, we thank You and we love You and we pray these things in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Hey, grab a seat. It's really good to have you here uh, tonight and uh, I just want to say a welcome out to you as well. We are in the series at the moment in Galatians. I think it's the third week now on a Sunday that we're looking at this. And we're going to look at Galatians 4 and uh, we've been doing this in Connect Groups as well. Uh, this has been a brilliant series and particularly as it centres around the Gospel as Paul is writing to the Church of Galatia, reminding them about their freedom in Christ, reminding them um, of the Gospel, the true Gospel and not to be persuaded by anything else but centred on that. Uh, I remember a little while ago, or sorry, not a little while ago, but I've seen uh, on many occasions before, uh, maybe you're a parent here or you've got little kids or you've had little kids in the past. Uh, I mean, they're still alive, but you know what I mean. Uh, they were little once, now they're growing up. But uh, I, I've seen on many occasions before, whether it's in shopping centres or cafes, it's an amazing thing how parents, they do this sort of reverse psychology thing and it just seems to work brilliantly. Uh, but I've seen parents where they, they want to go, they want to leave. And they say to their little kids, they say, all right, you know, little Johnny or whoever it might be. Okay, little Johnny, um, you know, time to go. We're going to go now. And, and it's amazing because they're like, no, no, I don't want to, you know. And, and they want to just keep playing and doing what they want to do. And they just keep saying, no, no, we've got to go. We've got to head home or do whatever. And, uh, and then eventually they do the whole, you know, you've seen it before, this reverse psychology. It's brilliant. It works amazing. They say, all right. Okay, Johnny, well, mummy or daddy's going now. You know, I'd, I'd say daddy. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, daddy's going now. Okay, okay, see ya, Johnny, see ya. You know, and they just see ya. And you see it happen. It's amazing. And they just kind of stand there and they look and they're kind of looking a bit shocked. Surely my dad, surely my mum isn't going to leave me. See you, Johnny. See you, Johnny. And they start walking. Next minute, sure enough, they start running after mum or dad and they're upset. Don't leave me. Don't leave me. It's brilliant. Well, and I've seen it work so many times. I don't know what's wrong with my children, but, uh, but it doesn't work. And uh, I mean, maybe my son's still a little bit young and he's such a dude, like he just doesn't care. Like he just, he just does his own thing. But my daughter, she, does, she certainly doesn't care. And I remember distinctly a little while ago, she was only three, she's just turned four. And I apologise for always using my daughter's stories, but it just kind of relates so well. But um, we were at a cafe, we'd walk down together to one of our local cafes there. And it was brilliant because they had this little kids play area. And if you're a cafe owner, such a win because it gets them in, get the kids in, you'll get the parents in. And so um, she's playing away there and we're sitting there and we'd been there for a while and I said, all right, Grayson, let's go. You know, we're going to head out now. And she's like, you know, typical, like, no, dad, bossing me around. And, um, and so I said, no, no, we're going to go. Let's head home now. And so I did what every other parent seems to do. And I say, all right, no worries, Grayson, I'm heading. Dad's going. You stay here, you stay, and I'm heading off. And so I start to walk. And I'm thinking, oh, she'll get pretty upset, you know, though dad's leaving her. She didn't care at all. And, uh, and so I said, all right. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get out of her sight. And so I walk out the cafe, say, see you, Graceland. And I walked out of her sight. Now, I didn't 
totally abandon her and walk home. But I did um, look through a window where I could still see her, but I made sure I was totally out of her sight. Well, you would think that she'd be pretty sort of devoted. Oh, dad's really gone. Like he's left. Well, I looked through the window. Sure enough, she's just playing away happily. Like she's just stoked. Dad's gone. Awesome. Freedom to myself. And so I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how long this takes. I'm going to see how long she'll stay there for. I'm sure it'll only be a couple of minutes and she'll be freaking out. Well, dead set five minutes goes by. Nothing. She didn't care. She was so happy just playing away. And I was waiting there, looking, looking. Ten minutes goes by. She's, she's calm as cucumber. No worries. Just playing away. Fifteen minutes goes by. And even at one point, I saw her sort of look out, look out the door. Oh, dad's definitely gone. Yeah, okay. And she kept playing. And um, 15 minutes goes by. And I'm thinking, what? Like, how long is this girl going to ask? She's going to be here all day. The cafe owner's going to have to kick her out at the end of the day. Like, you know. And so, uh, and so I, I move and I sit down. I'm still, she hasn't seen me for 15 minutes. But then I notice. And she stops. And this time she looks. And I think, this is it. This is it. You know, 15 minutes goes by. And she stops and she does put down the toys and she starts to come out of the cafe. And I think, this is the moment. So I did what every good parent would do. And I hid around the corner even more. <laughs> and so I thought, this will really terrify her. She'll, not, she'll learn this time. She'll come out of the cafe and see dad's really gone. So I hid around the corner. She walks out of the cafe and she looks both ways. And she's looking. Dad's not there. He's gone. And I'm just peering around the corner. You know what she did? She walked straight back in and started playing. And I thought, what's wrong with this child? I went back in. I went back in and said, Grayson, like I'm here. And she just looked at me like, so what, Dad? I'm here. I'm playing. And so I just thought, my goodness, that whole reverse psychology thing, I don't know how that works, but it doesn't work for us. And so, but there's something, I've seen it time and time again, how children react and respond when, when their parent leaves and, 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 and somewhat looks like they're, they're leaving them. Uh, and, and it's quite powerful. And I think, I think uh, there's something in that. There's something in, certainly in a child, but I, I think it sticks with this as well. There's something in we don't want to be abandoned. We don't want to be left alone. We, we want to know deep within our heart that we're known, that we're valued, that we're loved. And it's quite interesting because in this passage in Galatians, Paul speaks into this, not just for children, but for adults, for humanity. He talks about for humanity, how deep within our hearts there's a longing for for. Um, a longing for relationship, a longing for connection, a longing for deep intimacy. This is how we were wired. I deeply believe from the bottom of my heart, we were created for connection. That's what we were created for. And so hardwired into our human lives, into our human souls, there is a desire in us that wants intimacy, relationship, connection with others and with our heavenly Father. That's how we are wired. Now, the thing is this, we will look for satisfaction, deep satisfaction in all sorts of areas of our, of our life and in our world, but we'll never be truly satisfied until we encounter the one who created us, until we truly come into a relationship with the one who we were meant to be in relationship with. This is the way that God created the world in the very beginning, to have relationship with, uh, with humanity in deep unity is how He designed it. And that's been broken. And so there's a longing, there's something in our hearts where we desire something more. The problem is we fill it with all sorts of different stuff. And Paul speaks into this. Paul talks about that. And so there's, there's something about the human heart where we desire relationship and connection. I heard um, a little while ago a message by John Tyson. And he said this at the start of his message. He says, if you feed babies, actually his message was on adoption. He says, if you feed babies, but you deprive, 
but you deprive them of meaningful human connections or attachment bond, they will develop lower body weight and more illness and develop a syndrome called failure to thrive. We are born for human connection, he says. He goes on to talk about how when he first became a Christian, his church was sending like missionaries, people over from their church over to a third world country, to a country that had had literally been turmoil there and there were a lot of orphan children and they were sending them over literally just to comfort and cradle these children. He goes on to say, if they don't get this deep sense of connection, not only do they physically fail to thrive, if you were to do a brain scan, which researchers have done, you would see that there's literally black hole spaces in their brain where neurons do not form. Neurological systems do not fully grow and the physical hardwiring of their brains is incomplete. And children who have experienced these um, deprivations often have smaller brains, We see behavioural defects, problem performance issues later in life. And these kids are trying to meet the demands of reality without the actual circuitry to be able to do so. And the reason it's like this is because of the lack of relationship, of deep human connection. Something happens to these babies where they are forsaken. It touches their bodies, it shapes their neurology and also touches their spirits. We may not have these marks on our brains, but we certainly have them on our soul. And that's true, as I mentioned before, there is something deep within our heart we long for, to, be, for, to, to be fulfilled, for the deep inner satisfaction. We're built for uh, connection, for relationship. As Nathan was sharing this morning, he mentioned a couple of quotes around this as well, and I want to mention them tonight. A recent study in psychology today underscores this need for a father's approval, speaking specifically for a father's approval now. Dr. Peggy, as she writes um, specifically around women, but men also, she says, uh, Dr. Peggy Drexler writes, in my research into the lives of some 75 high achieving, clearly independent women, I knew that I would find powerful connection between them and the first men in their lives. What surprised me was how deep and surprisingly traditional the bond is, how powerful it remains throughout their lives and how resilient it can be, even when a father has caused it grievous harm. No matter how successful their careers, how happy their marriage or how fulfilling their lives, women told me that their happiness passed through a filter of their father's reactions. Many told me that they tried to remove the filter and much to their surprise, failed. We know that fathers play a key role in the development and the choices of their daughters. But even for women whose fathers had been neglectful or abusive, I found a hunger for approval. They wanted a warm relationship with men who did not deserve any relationship at all. And I wonder tonight, did you catch that? A hunger for approval they spoke about. Now, this also is a similar situation for men. Um, According to Dr. Frank Pittman, author of Man Enough, life for most boys and for many grown men is a frustrating search for the lost father who has not yet offered protection, provision, nurturing, modelling, or especially anointment. The word anointment refers to being chosen, blessed, and approved. We all have a des- we all desperate, uh, we're all desperate for our Father's approval, but it's not always there. And yet this is what Paul speaks into, that what we discover in Galatians is that actually the Heavenly Father says, hey, I want you to know me like a daughter, like a son. I want you, I want to be your Heavenly Father. He's a great dad. He's a great dad. 
In verse one to three, Paul says this. He says, think of it this way. This is the NLT. I found it heaps easier to get my head around in the NLT. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up. Uh, grow up, even, even though they actually own everything their father had. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. We were like children. We were slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, hey, before Christ, before Christ entered the world and He made a way so that we could have a spiritual connection with our heavenly Father. We were lost, we were broken, we were longing. This deep desire within us was longing for a connection with our heavenly Father that was not possible without Christ. And so Christ made a way. This was the fall of humanity that I spoke about before. The relationship with our heavenly Father has been broken, but God has made a way so that humanity could know the fullness of life in Him as we come into adoption to Him, as we are become called our sons and daughters of our heavenly Father. That's what we've been created for. Created for community, created for relationship. We are looking for peace in the deepest parts of our heart. For many of us, we've been left with a forsaken and orphaned heart. And yet what God says is, I can feel that. I can feel that. I can feel the deepest longing of your soul. I am the one. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And tonight you can know that. Tonight it may be for the very first time to know what it means to be called a son or a daughter of the living God. One of the places I see this most in our life, that deep longing for searching for deep inner peace, deep fulfillment, deep satisfaction in our hearts, a a longing to be loved and valued and and to be accepted. One of the ways or one of the places I see it most is we go down to schoolies every year and a group of young adults go down and, you know, some of the phone calls come through and, you know, it's different in some cases, but certainly uh, there's phone calls of girls that call up and are in distress and, and devastated and, and they've made some poor decisions, maybe with some guys and, and some of our teams and, and the girls go in and talk to these other girls as they share with them. And, and there's a longing there. There's a deep longing within their heart just to want to be valued, to want to be accepted, to want to be known, to want to be loved deep within their heart. And they, in some cases, it's so difficult, it's so sad as they make poor decisions with guys that said all the right things or whatever it might be so that they feel like that they might be valued. And yet that value and that 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 love, that unconditional love can only come from a heavenly father that will never neglect us, never let us down. That's where it comes from. That's, he, he fulfills the deepest longings of our heart. And tonight you may come, tonight you may come with that longing, that desire for deep meaning, that deep satisfaction. Tonight you may come and you, you don't know and you've looked for it in all sorts of different places in this world and it's never satisfied. But tonight your heavenly father says, come to me, come to me. You'll find true rest. You'll, try, you'll find true value. You'll find true love and true um, acceptance in me, he says. And so it's an opportunity to do that. It's an opportunity to come to the Father, to know Him as Heavenly Father, to know Him, to be able to call Him as Abba, Father, to know Him in that way. You see, He's a personal God. He's a relational God. He's a God who loves us so much. Like I said, maybe you've gone through some difficult stuff in your life before. And so Paul says, what does he mean by that we're slaves to the basic spiritual principles of this world? Basically, he's saying that we've looked to it in all sorts of different areas in this life. 
For some, it's power. For some, it's money. It's all sorts of different things that we look to and think, then I'll be satisfied if I just get that and that and that. And we become slaves to it because it lets us down time and time again. We become a slave to it. And he says, you're no longer a slave. You're a child of the living God if you are in Christ. He continues, Paul, in verse four and five, he says, but when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent Him to buy freedom, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own children. And this has dramatic, this is, this is huge. He adopts us into the family of God. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross means that we can have adoption into the family of God. This is the good news of Christianity. Yes, that Jesus came, He died for our sins, He rose again overcoming death so that we can have a restored relationship with God. So we get to go to heaven for eternity. But more than that, it means that we get to be adopted into the family of God, that we get to call God Heavenly Father. Cry those words, Abba, Father. This is extraordinary. This is why this is so powerful. This is why it's such great news. A little while ago, a friend of, I think it was just in Connect Group or something, one of the guys was saying that, whether it was in announcements or another sermon or something, I, I sometimes throw out, have throw out lines or whatever. And I think I said at some point about being a king's kid. And that's what, that's what when you're in Christ, that's what we become. We become a child of the living God. We become a king's kid. And he was saying, you know, I'd just been thinking about that. It sort of stuck with me. And he said, I was just uh, walking down the street one day and I was just thinking about that. A king's kid, a king's kid. I'm a king's kid, like the king of the universe. I'm his child. I'm a king's kid. And he said, as I thought about that and as it began to sink deep within my heart, he's like, I, I just started to think, wow, this is incredible. Like somebody could say something to me. Somebody could do something to me. And, and I don't feel like it would faze me as much because I'm a king's kid. It just began to sink in. And even for me, as I've been thinking about this message over the last few days and thinking about a child of God, like that's my identity, that's who I am. It begins to change who you are. It begins to change how you live. It really has such a tremendous impact on your life. And, and I wonder even this very week, if you just could contemplate that more, if you just think about it, I'm a king's kid. I'm a king's kid. I'm a child of the living God. That's who I am. As you, as you work, as you live in the neighbourhood in which you live, as you do whatever you do during the week, just to stop and to think about that more, allow that to sink into your heart. Now, I realise it's not that easy. And there are times where this is a journey and we've got to grow into that identity, understanding who we really are in Christ. But this is so powerful. It changes everything. It changes who we are when we understand who we are in Him. As Paul says here, he says, God sent him, talking about Jesus, sent him to buy freedom for us. So we were slaves to the law so that we could, um, could adopt us as his very own children. The sacrifice of Christ made a way so that we could know him as father. I thought a little bit around this, that idea of adoption and the sacrifice that was made on the cross. And we, we kind of throw it out there oftentimes and we think it's amazing, it's incredible what God has done for us. But I thought about it a little bit more. As I was reading a little bit, I don't know, I can't remember what I was reading, but some different articles and spoke a little bit about the process of adoption. If you were to adopt a child from overseas and how it is such a lengthy process, it's quite a big ordeal. There's a lot of paperwork you go through. It can take many years and, and, and it's, it's a huge process to adopt a child from overseas. But I want you to imagine for a second that my wife and I, Raquel and I, you know, we've got two biological children, but we decide we're going to adopt a child. 
And as we go through the process, as we go through the paperwork, as we go through years of waiting and waiting, finally they call us or whatever it might be and say, we want you to come overseas, we want you to come to our organisation here, meet uh, your future adopted child. And so we go through this whole process and imagine that we go overseas and we meet them and finally we get to meet you know, our adopted child that we're going to adopt into our family. And before this process all takes place and we're about to you know, adopt our child and bring them home to Australia, imagine that they said to us, okay, that's awesome, we're about to do this, but before we do, you need to sacrifice your daughter first and then you can adopt this child, our biological daughter. How would you feel in that moment? And as I thought about that, I thought, don't you, like, I just realised, don't you see, this is exactly what your heavenly father has done for you that he sacrificed his son so that he could adopt you into his family. This is what has taken place. This is so powerful. And I saw it on a whole nother level. This is so impacting. To be called a child, to be called a son or daughter of the living God meant God sacrificing his son so that you could be adopted into his family. That's what Paul is saying here. In verse six, he continues, and because we are his children, Because we are His children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. This is huge in itself. To call the God of the universe Father is extraordinary. To call Him Dad is extraordinary. It shows us that He's not a distant God. He's not a distant Father. He's not, it's not religion. It's like, oh, maybe if I do good works, then I'll become in good right standing with this distant God out there. He's so relational, so personal. He invites you in to call Him Father. It's so powerful. He's not distant. As I was thinking about this, I thought about even uh, my own parents. And I, I don't know, I've been living out of home for maybe about eight years now. And I, I, was there, I had this thought just today that, you know, whenever I go home to, uh, you know, drop in to see my mum and dad, I never knock. I never knock. I just walk straight in. I don't know if you ever go back to your parents' house, but I never knock or anything. I just walk straight in. You know what the first thing I do is I just go straight to the fridge and open it up and see what's there. <laughs> or I go straight to the pantry. I don't ask. Like, I don't ask. I just go in. Yeah, oh, what's in the fridge? Oh, yeah, what's in the pantry? And why, but why do I do, I mean, I would never do that in anybody else's house. I'd kind of be like, who is this guy? You know, like, coming into our house. Like, but, but, but why can I do that? Because I know I'm a child of mum and dad. Like, that's, that's who I am. I know that I can do that. I have absolute freedom to do that. I know who I am when it comes to my relationship with them. When you know your heavenly father, when you know you're a child of God, you also receive the inheritance of God as well. It's such a powerful, it's so distinctive, this relationship with him, knowing him, being able to call him father, but you also receive the inheritance as well. You see, to be children of God, to be loved by him, to be known by him, to be valued by him is the deepest cry of our orphaned heart. There's a guy by the name of Jack Frost and I discovered that Jack Frost, I think, is in the movie of Frozen as well, but I'm not quoting him. I'm quoting another guy called Jack Frost who actually speaks a lot into this area and he says this. He says, Our quest for safe harbour begins when we acknowledge our need to give up the independence and self-reliance of the orphan heart and humble ourselves willingly to be fathered and mothered by other men and women who have been there before people who know how to find their way through the storms and the gales of life and who know where safe harbour lies. Safe harbour, the heart and the love 
of the Father. Along with all the riches and resources of the kingdom is our inheritance when we enter in with a heart of sons and daughters. Whose son are you, he says? Whose daughter are you? Remember, no sonship, no daughtership, no inheritance. But I think it's an important question tonight to ask yourself, whose son are you? Whose daughter are you? Do you know your heavenly father like that? Maybe tonight as you come and you know deep within your heart, I I don't know God like that. I don't know God like a heavenly father that I could come to in my time of need. Well, tonight is an opportunity to go, I wanna know. Tonight is an opportunity to surrender that and say, God, I'd love to know you like that. I'd love to experience life in knowing you as my heavenly father. Maybe your own personal father has let you down. Maybe you've been neglected when you were younger. Maybe he was absent in some way or another. But your father in heaven is a great dad and he never, ever, ever lets us down. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There's a story that I heard many years ago uh, by Ruth Graham. But before I share this story, I just was reminded of something that I heard a little while ago. And I remember hearing this and I shared it with a couple of people and they seemed to know. And they're like, oh yeah, I know that. But I thought it was quite powerful. But I remember hearing this and it it centers around who we are. And it says this, so I get it right. We don't believe in what we think we are and we don't believe what other people think we are. We believe what we think other people think we are. Does that make sense? It's quite powerful. We don't believe in what we think we are. We don't even believe what other people think we are. We believe what we think they think we are. And this is why this is so important. Because for some of you, you come tonight and you think that, you haven't measured up. You think in your heart that that God doesn't like you that much, let alone loves you. You think you've let him down. You think you've fallen short. But don't believe what you think God thinks of you. Know in your heart what he says about you and what he says about you is you are a child of mine. You're a son of mine and I love you and it's unconditional love and there's nothing that can separate us from that love, separate you from that love. This is the love of of a parent. He loves you that much. Don't believe what you think God thinks of you. Know what God thinks of you. You're a child of Him. And He loves you so, so much. He wants to call you son and daughter. He wants you to call Him Father. As I mentioned before, there's a story of Ruth Graham. And I remember hearing this many years ago, this encounter that Ruth had with her dad, uh, who was Billy Graham, and how her dad showed the father's love to her. And Nathan mentioned this morning uh, in the message, and he had it written out, and it was quite powerful how it was written. But the context of this is Ruth Graham sharing at her dad, Billy Graham's funeral. And she writes this. She says, After 21 years, my marriage had ended in divorce. I was devastated. I floundered. I did a lot wrong. The rug was pulled out from under me. My family thought it would be a good idea for me to move away, to get a fresh start somewhere else. And so I decided to live near my older sister and her family and near a good church. The pastor of that church introduced me to a handsome widower and we began to date fast and furiously. My children didn't like him, but I thought they were almost grown. They didn't know. They couldn't tell me what to do. I knew what was best for my life. My mother called me from Seattle. My father called me from Tokyo. They said, honey, why don't you slow down? Let us wait to get to know this man. They had never been single. They had never been a single parent. They had never been divorced. What did they know? So being stubborn, willful and sinful, I married a man, this man, 
on New Year's Eve. And within 24 hours, I knew I'd made a terrible mistake. After five weeks, I fled. I was afraid of him. What was I going to do? I wanted to talk to my mother and father. It was a two-day drive. Questions swirled in my mind. What was I going to say to daddy? What was I going to say to mother? What was I going to say to my children? I'd been such a failure. What were they going to say to me? We're tired of fooling with you. We told you not to do it. You've embarrassed us. Let me tell you, you women will understand. You don't want to embarrass your father and you really don't want to embarrass Billy Graham. And many of you know we live on the side of a mountain and, I was, uh, and as I wound myself up the mountain, I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway and my father was standing there waiting for me. As I got out of the car, he wrapped his arms around me and said, welcome home. There was no shame. There was no blame. There was no condemnation, just unconditional love. And you know, my father was not God, but he showed me what God was like that day. When we come to God with our sin, our brokenness, our failure, our pain, and our hurt, God says, welcome home. And that invitation is open to you. That's the reality. That's the heart of the Father. It's incredible. As Paul says, you're no longer a slave, but you're God's own child. And since you're a child, God has made you an heir. This is the character of our God. You're no longer a slave. You're a child of the living God. Timothy Keller says, to be a Christian is a standing. Uh, to be a Christian is a standing, a legal position. It means to be a child of God. You are or you are not. There is no try. That's who you are. Again, another quote that says, sonship is a heart that feels at rest and secure in God's love. It believes it belongs. It is free from shame and self-condemnation. It walks in and honour toward all people and it is willing to humble itself before man and God. It is subject to God's mission to experience His love and to give it away. And so tonight I wonder, do you know who you are in Him? You're a child of the living God, a son or a daughter. And if you don't know that yet, you can know that this very night. I'm going to share one last story with you. Um, Yeah, actually, I'm going to show you a little clip. A little while ago, a few weeks ago, just very briefly, again, I apologise about my daughter, but um, she just, I was putting her to bed one night and... um, and as I was putting her to bed, she just, she hates going to sleep on her own. She's like, oh, can you stay with me, Dad? Can you stay with me? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can stay with you. And I said, I'm just going to stay for a little while and then I'm going to go. And she made this comment to me. She said, oh, Dad, you and Mum like always leave and you guys get to go off together and you just leave me all alone here by myself, you know, and pulling up my heartstrings. And, um, and I said, Graceland, as soon as she said it, I just knew. I said, Graceland, did you know you are actually never alone? I said, you may feel like you're alone, but this is the amazing thing that when you have a relationship with God, He actually never leaves you. You'll never be alone for the rest of your life. And I said, not only that, not are you not alone for the rest of your life, but He actually appoints angels to look over you and to protect you. So you're never alone. I said, you can wake up in the middle of the night and you can wake up and roll over and go, oh, my heavenly Father is with me. My God is here with me. And that was true of a three-year-old child, but it's true of us also. For some of you, you felt like that. For some of you, you felt like 
I'm alone. I'm unloved. I'm not valued as a person, yet your God says, no, are you serious? I love you. I've always been there for you. I am with you. I, I love you so much. You're never alone. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He says that to you tonight. Do you know that deep in your heart? I'm going to finish with just a video clip. It's quite powerful. I've seen it many times before, and so I, sh- I shouldn't, I probably won't cry this time, but it's quite powerful as you see this clip. It's, uh, it's just very raw, very real. It's a couple that have adopted a daughter, a 10-year-old child, and she's officially been adopted by this couple. And it just illustrates so well. I remember seeing it ages ago going, wow, that is so powerful. It illustrates so well what it means to the human heart when we know we've been adopted, that when we become a son, or a daughter. Uh, let's go to this clip now and we'll just watch that. It's about a minute long. All right, well, there's one more gift. We have one more gift. It's not from Grammy, but it's, yeah, it's another gift. Why don't you careful open it up? I want you to read it. I'm going to be adopted? We love you, sweetheart. We'll always be your parents. I love you so much. I love you. what God does for us. He adopts us as sons and daughters of him. Father, I just thank you for your word and the power of it. There's some here tonight that want to know what it means to be a son or a daughter of you, great God. If that's you tonight, you know who you are. And maybe it's still so raw, it's still so fresh, it's still, you're trying to get your head around it. But but God wants you to just come to him tonight, to surrender your heart, to say, I want to know what that means to be adopted into the family of God. I want to lead you in a simple prayer if that's you tonight and just in your head and in your heart you can repeat it after me. Dear God, I felt lost and I want to know what it means to be a son and a daughter of you. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to take full control of my life from this moment on. I hand it over to you. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter of you, great God. Thank you for dying for me, rising again, overcoming death, so that tonight I can call you Abba, Father. Fill me with your Holy Spirit right now. Amen. Father, I thank you for those that responded in that way. 
maybe in the very first time and maybe for some that just a light bulb moment went on. Wow, I'm literally a child of the creator of the universe. I do believe your word is powerful and I pray that for all of us that we would live in a manner this very week knowing who we are in you. Our identity and not who we think you are, but who we know we are in you, great God. A child of you, great God, I pray. It's such a powerful thing. And so help us, Lord, to to be able to live like that. Help us to know that deep within our, um, our hearts, deep within our souls, great God, we really do pray. This changes everything. It changes everything. And we just wanna say again, we thank you that you made a way so that that could be possible. We love you so much, God. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' mighty and precious name. Amen, amen. We're gonna respond to God tonight. We're gonna sing this song, which the words are so powerful. We're no longer a slave, but a child of God. And so let's jump up on our feet right now. There's also an opportunity for you to respond through this song that down the very front here, there's some little pieces of paper. And on that piece of paper, there are some verses that talk about who you are in Christ. And you just feel free to come forward and grab that bit of paper as a reminder this week. You can use that as a bookmark, whatever you wanna do, but as a reminder of who you are in Him. Feel free to grab that in this song because this is a journey. It's a constant reminder. Yes, that's who I am, a child of God, child of God. I'm no longer a slave, but a child of Him. Let's worship Him. Let's give Him thanks and praise. Let's put our hands together tonight as we give thanks for the incredible good news of the Gospel that we are His children. Lord, we thank You for this truth. We thank You, Lord. This is at the heart of the message, Lord, that You have given to us, the good news of the Gospel, Lord, that You have redeemed us, that we are no longer slaves, and, Lord, You have adopted us into Your family, children of the living God. Thank You, Lord, that this is who You are. This is Your heart. Your arms are wide open to us, great God. And so I want to pray for each and every one here tonight, Lord, that You would help us Lord, that pull that pulls us back into slavery, Lord, that You would help us to live in the light of this truth, that we can live as Your children this week, Lord. And I pray that these verses, these Scriptures, these truths, Lord, would ring true deep within our hearts, in our souls, that they would transform us from the inside out, great God. And I pray for any here tonight who are just grabbing hold of this for the first time, Lord, that You would fill them with the joy and the peace and the knowledge, Lord, that they are loved by You, great God, accepted by You unconditionally because of Jesus and all that He has done for us. And so we celebrate, we give You thanks. Our hearts, in fact, they overflow with joy and celebration tonight, the good news of the Gospel. So we pray this now in Jesus' mighty and precious Name. Everyone said, Amen. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. If you did pray that prayer, we've got Bible gift packs down the front or at the info table. And I want to mention our welcome lounge just out the back here as well. If you're new tonight or even if you've been coming for a while and you want to meet some people, head up there to our welcome lounge. But God bless you. Grab a seat. Thanks so much for sharing with us. And if you still want some prayer, do come and grab us. We'd love to pray for you tonight. God bless.